Before we get into today's game scoop, let's take a moment for a shout out to our sponsor, Squarespace. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create an awesome website, connect with your audience, and sell anything all in one place, all on your terms. With Squarespace, you can easily sell custom merch and create a passive income stream. You design your products, and production, inventory, and shipping are all handled for you, saving you time and money. You can sell your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical, digital, or service products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Use insights to grow your business, learn where your site visits and sales are coming from, and analyze which channels are most effective. Improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on top keywords or most popular products. Ready to get started? Head over to squarespace.com gamescoop for a free trial. And when it's showtime, use our special promo code gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Anyway, we can all agree that the blue shell is complete <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining this week is Justin Davis, Brian Altano, and Sam Claiborne. And we are the Whoa. Omega Cops. What? Uh, what's that? Where'd you pull that out from? That? That's GameScoop, and, and it's an anagram. It's, no way. Yeah, oh, really? Are, of GameScoop is are, Omega Cops? That rules. Or the yeah. Camp Goose. Oh, that's probably not a Omega. Really. Cops, you want to stick though. with Omega Cops? Yeah, let's go with that. All one. right, I have some more later. Okay. It's going to be a real a scoop gem. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I love anagrams. Okay. That's so fun. All that's right. really good. That's Omega what, Cops is the winner. I mean, Omega Cops is the name of this show in other territories. Yeah, yeah, and you can exactly. put the exclamation point wherever you want. Yeah, or it's so it can the, be Omega. Cops. It's the uh, bootleg version you can get down in Chinatown. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we've got a great show for you this week. We got to talk about the uh, Assassin's Creed, the latest Assassin's Creed mm-hmm. leak. We're going to talk about the modern gamer, what they look like, smell like, feel like. Ooh, but first, tastes like. Not too long ago, on this very show, I posed the question: In the wake of the Mass Effect Andromeda debacle, mm-hmm. is this the end of Mass Effect? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And. Uh, if reports are if reports today are to be believed, it is the end at least at least for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kotaku has a story today. Reports uh, saying that the Mass Effect series has been put on hold. Yeah, and uh, we got a statement from EA that did not refute that news. Mm-hmm. Did not write confirm it, but they did say you know uh, 
well, BioWare Montreal, yeah. the studio behind Andromeda, has been put on some other projects and lots more good things to come from BioWare in the future. Yeah, when they don't outright contradict something, that means yeah. they're confirming it and trying to spin it. And it's, sure. just, it's a very common response we get. And they also here. announced that Montreal, uh, which was a support studio for BioWare and Andromeda, like that's the part that I think people miss. Like mm. BioWare made this game. But like BioWare is completely different teams in like yeah. different countries, like right. Montreal versus Austin. Um, and Montreal, the team that made Andromeda, this was their first game that they led on their own. They'd been a support studio working on multiplayer yeah. and like other features and functions of previous Mass Effect games. Um, and this was their chance to sort of really make it. And there were rumors that um, they're like fighting between like this new team within yeah. Bioware had taken over a franchise that a different team started and that there was some friction there. And now they're being moved back onto more of a support role. They're moving back to a support role, yeah. correct. So it's like, I mean, critically, the game did pretty well, right? It's, it got Sevens. It got sevens. Seems yeah. like a seven, which is which is okay. <laughs> yeah, it's getting better. With but updates post. Are you, I, I hope. Yeah. I hope it's getting better. Well, I mean, they get waiting until it's the final version yeah. to play. Yeah. They're slowly yeah. patching. But I think the main issue was that sales wise, I don't think it's going to be nearly as long tail as some of the other games are. And I think that it it sort of happenstance dropped in an era of the Dude. year where it was incredibly crowded. Oh, that game is a seven. Yeah, and you're going up against Zelda and yep. uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Persona Five and well, that, Gear. And and that was the thing. I was playing all those games, and to pull me away from any of those things or all of those things, I needed something to be like substantially new and wonderful yeah. and great and for this to sort of be like as like as they do with a lot of like sort of series re soft reboots or whatever this was they had to kind of nail the idea that this should be the the mass effect game that i've been missing or yeah. that i didn't get into last time and you know it was hard to pull me away from zelda and horizon for that yeah. i remember thinking about the spring and thinking man all those games are going to have to get out of the way of mass effect mm -hmm. yep it's it's uh, it's tough. It's not too surprising for me because there's been four Mass Effect games, and half of them have been mired in controversy. Yeah, there's only been two that were like really like yeah. two thumbs up, very well received. One and two to clarify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I mean I, Sam, to be fair, like when you were having those conversations, like we hadn't seen more than five minutes of Horizon. Yeah. We thought that Zelda was going to be Skyward Sword 2, or yeah, we didn't really know what that's, know. you know, that that was that game had gotten delayed so many times. Both of those games turned out to be phenomenal. And and no one played the first Nier. No. <laughs> like, yeah. wow, this game's awesome. Which, and that game went on to sell a million units, so it's like, it's fascinating to me. But I mean, sometimes something comes back for a little bit, and it's okay, and then it goes away. It was like, I grew up watching Beavis and Butthead, and they brought that show back. <laughs> and like, it was different, but it was still kind of the same, and I liked it, and then they didn't renew it, and that was the end of Beavis and Butthead. And that's kind of where I I feel Mass Effect is right now. Like they brought it back with a new team, they gave it a shot. It didn't do what it was supposed to do, and now they can making a Beavis and Butthead game. I would love that. I wish Bioware did it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'd actually Bioware, rather see Bioware's them. Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> I don't expect they made a Sonic game. It did make a dialogue's Sonic. pretty easy. I, I, I don't expect Mass Effect to be gone forever, for even for very yeah. long. Um, I again, I think there's some studio dynamics at play. Uh, you know, Mass Effect or the the Bioware team. They've been open about how they're working on a new IP. They're working on a new brand, something new. And so you can't just, like, like EA knows that they want to keep Mass Effect going, but what are you supposed to do? Like, cancel this other project that's been in the works for years? Like, they just have to wait, and but they don't trust that Montreal team to work on it anymore sure. based off this Kotaku report. Yeah. Um, and so I think they just did the calculus of, well, we don't want Montreal making another Mass Effect, so they need to wait for, you know, maybe that core Bioware team to free up. Maybe they'll do like an Elder Scrolls thing and alternate between, you know, this brand and Mass Effect or something like that. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because if you look at um, EA's output over the last year, which has been really strong, um, their sports stuff sells really well. Battlefield 1 did really well. Mm -hmm. But then you look at something like Titanfall and Mass Effect, and they have to be looking at both of those franchises 
franchise yeah. being like these are huge things. They they announced basically that they have long tail plans for Titanfall, but like, what do you do with those? But then Sam, Sam's but, just staring at. I'll tell you what you do with them. <laughs> you sack them, goop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there's only one that has space in it. I was going to use space for this. But you sack them goop. Sack them goop. All right. That's space. what you do. Game yeah. cop, so. <laughs> or you could have, so, game cop. So, game cop. Good work, that's Damon. Oh, you made up your the, own anagram. Yeah. That's not easy. I feel like a mascot. I am an anagram generator. I made up Perfect. over 400 of them. <laughs> We uh, Mass Effect got sevens, which is not good enough for that franchise. Yeah. But it's still it's still good, right? Like, sure. Like on the literal word, it's like it's good. So I think that's a game that a lot of people. I feel like we are three months away from people being like Mass Effect. I got Mass Effect Andromeda, and I really liked it. Like yeah, you're gonna start seeing yeah. you're gonna start seeing those topics on message boards all over the place, yeah. especially yeah. as like the really bad like crab walking animations and stuff get fixed. Like the yeah. really easy to make fun of stuff. Like that, it won't fix like the bigger problems with right. the game but that whole story around it was fascinating too and the fact that like fans were jumping in and fixing the animations before the devs could like yeah. it was just a weird it was just a weird time you yeah. know for everything i mean again i think a lot of that came with the fact that there was such scrutiny on that franchise i think that like when fallout 4 came out and it had a bunch of wonky shit in it people were like it's fine yeah you know it's, it's they kind of got a free pass for it but uh with mass effect people had the magnifying lens out for that thing they, yeah. they want they had their, their their blades out ready to cut that thing up do you think there'll still be these meaty DLC packs that the series is famous for? I mean, I forget I what their business model was, yeah, but okay. did they, did they, I, I like, I'm, I'm in, I'm not in the know on this, but did they sell like a season pass around this with, I don't know, with promised content? So there's no way to know. I didn't play, I don't know if the story, I don't know how no the story, if there's out. room in the story for story DLC, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a game that I'm looking forward to playing at some point. Like, it's like going to be like a Christmas break game for me, maybe. <laughs> there's no oh, way really? to know is one of my favorite Damonism. So you're actually, you, <laughs> I think Justin started saying that. I got to give credit to Justin. Justin, okay, you're actually going to try to get to this game at some point this year? Probably. Interesting. That's cool. I mean, I'm sure it'll be. If it's anything like The Witcher, three years from now, I'll really want to talk about it a lot <laughs> yeah. on Game Scoop. Decog Mop. Wouldn't be. <laughs> When people are nostalgic for 2017. Now, it's a little sad to see what's happened to uh, this franchise. Because when I started in this industry 11 years ago, and I went to my first E3 for IGN, Mass Effect was one of those great hopes. Mm -hmm. The promises of the next generation that was just getting started, along with stuff like Bioshock and Assassin's Creed. When Those are like the behind-closed-doors demos we saw at E3 2006, when everyone was like, Oh, oh my God! This next generation is gonna be right. awesome. You also have to it remember. Was. I like, mean, yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah. How many next gen games at the time were sort of like three D open world ish with action elements and tons of RPG stuff, right? Yeah. Few and far between, or at least a few here and there. Now it's every game has RPG stuff in yeah. it. Yeah. So it's it's good. you have to like when you want that fix, like there are so many other opportunities to jump in on that, especially you know coming up between Horizon and Zelda, which had RPG ish elements, you know, to mm. an extent. All right, moving on. Uh, the Nielsen Organization, the same company you may have heard used to uh, provide your TV ratings. What were the most yeah. popular TV shows? You were in like Nielsen, way Nielsen back house once. Uh, what, Are you I really? Was, yeah. or, you want to be in the actual house? or? Yeah, they used to. Uh, I mean, now I think Nielsen sends a box to people that actually just captures what you're watching, like an uh, electronic yeah. box. But we logged. You wrote, down, you wrote down what you watched and sent wow. it back to them. Based on the honor system. 
Wait, really? Honor system. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That's we watched insane. PBS all night. And then <laughs> you had you had to write down up. like, were you like actively watching, or did you just like have it on while you were making dinner or whatever? Like anytime the Dude, television. I don't was think on. you could do something like that in the binge watching era, like <laughs> to actually tell someone like, oh, I watched uh, like 13 episodes of a TV show on Netflix yeah. today. It's a completely flawed system. It yeah. Was all, I'm sure it was all made up. Yep. Well. They've provided their annual uh, 360 Gamer Report. They do this every year, mm-hmm. where they survey a bunch of gamers, and here's their methodology. They surveyed 2,000 people, mm-hmm. 13 and over, a split, 50-50 uh, split between male and female in the U.S. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's a general population survey, but they asked people about whether or not they were gamers and whether they played games. And whatnot. So that's what we're dealing with here. And some of, this, some of these stats are interesting, and some are... Eyebrow. Some of them I raise an eyebrow at. Gasp. I can't. Stop. And this one. And I, this one. I can't raise one eyebrow. I can raise. I can raise both them both. Eyebrows independently. I can do one. I think you yeah. guys are all raising one eyebrow pretty effectively. I'm just. This is just my face. I'm just sitting here. <laughs> Frozen. First of all, uh, now Nielsen finds that 64% of the U.S. population, 13 and over, are gamers. Yeah. So Nielsen considers, and so I. Th- I think. They're saying like, they're, if if someone claims to play, uh, you know, mobile games, you're a gamer. You get the yeah. title of a gamer. Fair enough. So yeah. some I, of this, I'm, I'm into that. And what's the percentage? Sixty-four percent. Nintendo sixty-four percent. Mm-hmm. Nintendo sixty-four percent. Does that sound high, low? Right about just about low. right. Low. You think more? You would have thought more than sixty-four percent of the thirteen and over population in the U.S. plays games. Yes. Well, see, that's what it's. Uh, it's interesting that you know IGN has done studies before where mm-hmm. we survey mm-hmm. gamers, and it's like you ask a question: Are you a gamer? No. Uh, do you you know ever play any video games? And they're like, yeah, you know, I play with my family sometimes, and I play you know five hours a week on my phone on yeah. the bus and stuff. And it's like, dude, you just said you weren't well, a gamer. I, like like I people don't, don't accurately yeah, self-identify because gamer is a crappy label. Yeah. Like it's a, it's like being called an eater or a movie watcher. Well, exactly. They're not saying they're not asking people if they think they're gamers. Right. They're classifying them as gamers based, based off their activity. Yeah. So wait, you said you said the number's low? Well, I think so because like I think the number of people with phones, for instance, is very high. And I can't imagine people with phones now really not Don't never using play them. A game. Well, I think there's like first of all, like the barrier for to entry for something like this is a sort of prohibitively expensive to most people. Like to have a to have a smartphone or a phone capable enough to play a video game and also be 13. Like I don't I don't have a 13 year old kid, but if I did, I would be like, you don't really get a phone yet. Maybe I'd be like, you get something else. But I think it's like a video game system is expensive. A phone's expensive. It's not like you know, uh, just like something pen and paper or something tangible, something you can find, something like a book. Like I'm sure 100 percent of people have read a book, but well, like a crossword puzzle is yeah. a good example. Like. 13 year olds love a good crossword puzzle. Everybody loves a good crossword for 13 and under, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> What the kids are really into. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting that new, cracking open spinners. that, crack open that New York Times. Do your crosswords mm-hmm. Sunday morning with a nice hot pot of coffee. Nielsen finds that the largest group of gamers, forty six percent, only play on one device, mm. whether that be a console or their PC or their mobile phone. They only do their gaming on one thing. You know, what we call them. They're called fanboys. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, mobile. Uh, now there's a lot of. Phone did I tell place. you about the Uber I took? Um, he knew this never happens to me because GameScoop's the only show that I'm on. It happens to you two more often. He knew he was an IGN fan, and so we were just talking, and he just he's just a PlayStation guy, like yeah. pretty casual gamer, you know, Beyond. Call of Duty, sports games, <laughs> and yeah, and he uh, he just a new PlayStation comes out, he buys it, and gets PlayStation games, and that's like his video game life. And I think there's like millions of like 
quiet. Yeah. Like out of the forty million or however many PlayStation sold, that's like half of them. They're like not the crazy people that are you know in the comments on message boards, really hardcore. Yeah. They just new play. Oh, I hear there's a new PlayStation. I guess I'll buy the new PlayStation. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, they go into the store and there's a section dedicated to the games yeah. they love, and they pick them up. And if not, they just connect their their yeah. console to the internet and they buy games through it's there. Treated them right, and they have their yeah. account with them, and they have sure. no real reason to switch. I think a lot of people get like locked into one track, mm-hmm. and then, like you Does need this to mean, though that they like still have their Atari. Ooh. Does that count? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody <laughs> saw any responded. You're probably the only guy that still has his Atari. Well, like, like, does it count? Like, I mean, everybody bought a PlayStation Two at some point, probably. Yeah. If they still have their PlayStation Two. Do they? You know, is that just their one system? I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would assume Maybe. it's that that they they're actively gaming on it. Like, I think they graduate know? to the new one. Was yeah. Well, that. no, I understand how people yeah. know, work that way, but I'm wondering like what this statistic Maybe. includes. I also think that there's a significant cost to buying a second console, yeah, and like we, like we're the odd ones for having everything in our living mm-hmm. rooms. Like that's not typical. Typically, yeah, you, I never had that growing up. I always had yeah. like one console, and yeah. maybe by the time I got a Genesis, mm-hmm. I was old enough to sort that out on my own. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what I did when I was a kid. I was I like, I have a, I got a Super Nintendo for my birthday, but for the Genesis, like I saved up for it. Yeah. I yeah. ran like I was an idiot kid, but I ran like the most sophisticated like math trying to mm-hmm. figure out like split up birthday yep. and Christmas to like strategize like one year like I really want a Genesis. So it's like that'll be both my presents, mm-hmm. and then you don't need to give me anything for my birthday. <laughs> we all pulled those shenanigans. Yep. Well, I only had an NES because the Master System was. I mean, garbage. Yeah. yeah. Just, just but then I got the TurboGrafx-16 before so the crazy. Super Nintendo, Ooh. and I was like, so long, Nintendo. I'm moving on to greener pastures, TurboGrafx-16. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, I was like, okay, Super Nintendo. Yeah. So it's, it's gonna <laughs> yeah. be. But then after well, a couple, not too long after that, I also had a Sega Genesis as well. Yeah, so you were all over the place. Uh, but only 16% of gamers play on all three Mm. Platforms. All, only 16% of uh, server respondents play on console, mobile, and PC. Mm. Huh. That seems kind of low to me. Oh, so that's oh, not all three consoles. That's just no. like... So it could You're be... Saying, like these different console, mobile, and PC. So that's it could be PS4, three. PC, and... So I wonder what that... If that could... That could also mean like you have an iPhone, you play a couple of games on Facebook here and there, yeah. but then you also have like an Xbox One. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, okay, or it's yes. just like like it's me. Like I play, yeah. but I play Switch and PC at home, and then I play phone games. Uh, you know, and I'm trying to goof off and not work here in yep. the office. But here's where Nielsen's 360 Gamer Report 2017 gets a little fishy. All right, a little hinky, a little fishy, hinky. They found that only 77 percent of gamers, people that identified as game, have identified as gamers, have heard of the PlayStation 4. What? They're like, wait. Only seventy-seven percent have heard like, of the PlayStation, PlayStation Four. So that's where I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. These, so, like, what's the point of calling these people gamers at that point? Wait. So here's the thing. Like, I'm sure everyone has heard the word PlayStation. Yeah. And understand the number four. So they have to put two and two together to be like, this is clearly the fourth of the PlayStations. Based on this data, 23% of gamers have never heard of the PlayStation 4. Mm. I mean, I come back to... Uh, listen to more GameScoop. Yeah. The, the 100 million people that downloaded Pokemon Go or whatever. Again, like whenever sure. you're talking about surveys like this, I'm picturing my bus where it's full of people that are all either playing Candy Crush or still Pokemon Go. Yeah. Those are the two games I see all, all day in, day out to this day, like including this morning. Yeah, they count, man. Like, but they're never, playing hours of games a week. But to have never heard of it? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's interesting. I, I don't know about that. It's just, I, yeah. Uh, so 77% of gamers have heard of PS4. 72 have heard of Xbox One, so it's not far behind. But Switch and Scorpio, only 
uh, of survey respondents said they had heard of the Switch, yeah. and only fourteen said fourteen percent said they'd heard of Project Scorpio. Wow, that's I mean that's a that's a actually surprisingly high number for a code name. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think so. And I actually think that's good news for Nintendo. It gives them lots of runway, lots of room to grow. Yeah. Um, I want to meet the people that have never heard of the PS4. I do too. And I want them to teach me something that I've never heard of. <laughs> like if the, if there's knowledge that I have that I thought everyone had and I was wrong about that and there's a whole thing that they know about that they're like, you didn't know about this, then I want to know what that thing is. Ride Justin's bus. <laughs> it's true. Uh, let me know if Coming this, over tonight. Let yeah. me know if this surprised you guys. 69% of console gamers prefer, prefer physical software. Mm. While 75% of PC gamers prefer digital. Right. Um, I buy it. Yeah, it's, that's fascinating. Because, I mean, where are they buying these, these games then? I, I guess they're getting from, from Amazon. Because, I mean, we're seeing physical sales are declining year over year at GameStop. Well, I, I know GameStop's in a tremendous amount of trouble, still. but there's still thousands. Walmart of and Target. Yeah. And there's also still Walmart and Target, Best yeah. Buy. Yeah, interesting. And but Amazon, yeah. people, all gamers across all platforms who prefer digital spend more time gaming. Even on consoles. Yeah, you're not switching those discs. Yeah, like they have more time. Hundreds of hours a week switching that disc. They have you more lose the disc, you put it in the wrong case. That's a terrible good. life to live. Yeah, I mean, digital implies you have good broadband internet access. Yeah, of course. And so many people don't still. That's yep. the scariest thing of all. And I think digital, PC on digital is like codename for Steam, spiders. in my opinion. And Steam's still a fairly hardcore platform. Codename yeah. Steam? No, not codename Steam. That's a completely different thing. Abraham Lincoln Steam. If someone's a PC gamer game. and they prefer digital games, they're, I presume that they're probably a Steam gamer, which, yeah. again, they're, they're, it's getting more and more casual every year, but it's still fairly hardcore. Uh, as for factors that influence game purchases, 80% said genre influences them. Makes sense. They buy the games in the genres they like. 74% graphics and 71% said story. Mm. So that's the formula for a winning game, uh, <laughs> a popular genre with great graphics and a cool story. Easy. That's yeah. all you got to do. What about, what about cool podcasts handsome, with handsome hosts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to have... I think graphics still matter that much. What's up? I think it's neat that graphics matter that much. I mean, I've you know, I've always said, I've always said. Actually, this is the first time I've ever said this. <laughs> it's a TurboGrafx 16. I've been saying. As long as video games are something you look at, yeah, graphics are going to matter to me. Totally, totally. Uh, but you know, that means all sorts of things. Like uh, it can be pretty. Yeah, just pretty. Like like Breath of, Breath of the Wild doesn't look as technically impressive as Horizon Zero Dawn, but both games are very pretty too. Yeah, it's got a great art style. We have a feature yeah. on IGN about audio only games. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's one that's narrated by Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, really? Or it's called, uh, oh, what's it called? I'd like to name drop it. The Night Jar. That's what it's called. Um, and you put on your headphones, and then uh, you're like on a spaceship, and he's like walking you through. He's like, there's a monster right behind you. You gotta, you gotta, and then you tap to move forward, and you can like tap to turn. The, the conceit is that you're in, uh, you're in a spaceship where there's absolutely no light at all. It's completely pitch black. And what what platform is this? Uh, I got, I have it on my phone on okay. iOS. And what's it called? The Night Jar. Oh, and I want to check that out. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. I don't know how. use earbuds so it's like really stereo based. Yeah. Mm. Um, And like Benedict Cumberbatch, he wasn't as big as he was now, but he'd already been in like, so I'm like, how did you get this guy to do this? He'd already already been in like Sherlock. Is this a couple years old then? Yeah, it's pretty old. Uh, All right, moving on. Uh, We had an image leak from the next Assassin's Creed game this week. And uh, this is what corroborated by three independent sources from Eurogamer. And uh, the Im- the screenshot that was leaked seems to confirm the Egyptian setting, which was leaked last year. Yeah, lots of leaks for Assassin's Creed. Actually, didn't it's we not have a single pyramid in it? How are we confirming this? Well, because uh, the quest 
uh, up in the uses, on the corner says you're trying to find this uh, Egyptian queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a known Egyptian, like a real life Egyptian queen. It is known. Yeah, it is known. And then doesn't it also say assassinate a crocodile? Yeah, that's like the question. Really? Yeah. Assassinate the crocodile. It's and the that, crocodile. Which rhymes, Not just a oh, crocodile. Which rhymes with Nile? Because as people pointed out, I think we did assassinate a crocodile in Assassin's Creed Four. Yeah, but now it's right. time to take out the crocodile. Dude, four is so good. Well, we get we get the screenshot shows you uh, uh, a boat, so we got boats come back. Mm-hmm. Man, Egypt, I, I don't know. There's no tall buildings in Egypt. Or got, tall pyramids. That's what everyone. They're like, you're gonna climb that sphinx in that pyramid, and I'm like, yeah, okay. Then what? That's, that's four. Yeah, that's thirty seconds of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'll be really tall trees. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, they'll make stuff trees. up. To be fair, four, which is four, is my second favorite Assassin's Creed, and it wasn't. You know, it de-emphasized the climbing as well, so that's fine. Right. Uh, didn't we have a story today that there have been 13 Assassin's Creed games and 12 of them have well, everything leaked to ahead of time right? before Ubisoft could announce them? Yep. Yeah. Mm. Leaked in quotes. Well, conspiracy. Yeah, there. Illuminati confirmed. Well, most of them were like on airplanes too. It's like a guy on an iPad on an airplane, and somebody's. Oh yeah. It's either someone's yeah, it's over the shoulder or someone's like, "Hey, what's that?" And he's like, "It's the new Assassin's Creed game yeah. coming to consoles this fall." Wouldn't that be fall. great if they did set it up that way, yeah. where they're like, "All right, listen." You're gonna go on the plane yep. and just open this PDF and just just leave and it just there. like hold just it out, see who's looking. Yeah, that's what happened. It was Assassin's Creed Four that yep. that happened to, and it, there were, there were two leaks, and one was a guy just working on a PowerPoint presentation that's like pirate battles, this that, and then it's like, what are you thinking, doing yeah. that on an airplane? And then the other one was a guy struck up a conversation with the guy next to him on either the plane or the bus. He's like, "What do you do? I make video games. Oh, I love video games. What are you working on? It's the new Assassin's Creed. Here's what it is." <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Maybe he thought he was one of those uh, Nielsen reporters who's <laughs> never heard of the PS4. And, and we don't know how this one is uh, right? It, it's a, well, it's it a looks... It's photo it's taken. Off, it's an off-screen shot uh, from the, from a side. It looks to be in like a boardroom or a project. I think what people need to remember... No, it's a television. It's what television. people need to remember for these games is they are worked on by like eight different studios globally. Yeah, like a at thousand people. Synchronicity. It's at, insane. At what point during that demo was the person with the camera being like, all right. This what is are we going to show them? What is it, it. going to be it? Boat, alligator, yeah. check. Yeah. And like if they just had turned around, there's like three giant pyramids and like a skyscraper. Oh, I know. I know. Egyptian skyscraper. skyscraper. <laughs> we got the alligator and the shield sword instead. I'm into it. So I have a few questions for you guys. How, you know, Assassin's Creed took the year off last year, yep. except for the movie. Uh, how are we feeling about Assassin's Creed these days? I mean, the rumors are great about this one. In general. You like, you like what you're hearing? Yeah. Ready uh, to get back into it. Yeah, I didn't like, I mean, nobody liked, uh, what was the France one? Unity? Unity. And so, so I didn't like Syndicate oh, was the last liked one. It. Marty liked it. Reviewed it. Unity? Yeah. Syndicate's one. That it was liked. Syndicate. Yeah. Unity was London, right, right. right? Yeah, so I didn't like either. And people really liked Syndicate, but I, I was just, the formula felt very tired to yes. me by then. I think they did the absolute right thing by taking a year off. But, to be fair, like Whole year. none of what we're seeing so far right here, and it's it's hard to sort of derive a ton from just these these screenshots, mm-hmm. but none of them really leap out at me as like this is a brand new take on the franchise. Like Breath of the Wild was a brand new take on Zelda. This or, doesn't feel like yeah, that. Or maybe so like how far. the new God of War yeah. looks like a fresh take on oh, that. Totally. Totally. Yeah. totally. That's it's yeah, it's a really good example. Like the, I mean, if it says assassinate an alligator, I'm like, oh well, that's again, it's Assassin's the alligator. Creed. Yeah, but don't tell me you don't want to do that. Of course, I want to do that. Man. Yeah, no, I spent the weekend in Florida. Kill those things. I just, I've always described the series, and you're gonna have to bleep this as same shit, different hats. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm hoping they I break with it. that uh, 
well, there's like the colonial hats in the one game. Mm-hmm. There's pirate hats in the next game. Yeah. Uh, little pork pie hats, and I don't need to explain that <laughs> the same shit, different hats principle. But uh, it really is that that game is not changing very much. But everybody likes open world games, and, they, and I really like exploration. And man, Egypt sounds awesome. Yeah. So hey, if yeah. it's a big exploration game in Egypt, that could work. Yeah, the setting sounds cool. I hope the new character is interesting. They really need to get as far away as from as possible from the the future present day stuff. Yeah. Like I've been saying yeah, that for a long time. I know most people agree with me. Yeah. There's a couple people who are like, yep. I like it. And then they made that movie that was like 50% present day stuff. Like, oh, yeah. get away from around it. an office like, building. You know what else they need to no. get away from? Where you stab a guy in the neck and then you grab and you go, Tempest Fugit. Yeah. And then you have a long thing and then you come <laughs> yeah. out of it and it's like, nah. You got to get away from that thing where nine dudes are chasing you and you just like go to jump and then you land on a wall and they all start climbing up the wall. Like, like there's like one button that does four things. Rocks yeah. I know they've got made, made that a little bit better, but. Yeah. So I think Metal Gear Solid Five could influence the series really nicely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love I, Metal Gear Solid Five. Me too. I also think game. just like GTA, just like really embrace your open worldness. I mean, Assassin's Creed has never really taken as much advantage of being an open world game as it should have, in my no, opinion. No, because they have to make a new one every year, and there's only so much they can do with that, right? And there's I, no cars. I, I, I love that idea. And there's no cars. Yeah, there's, there's no. no cars. There's horses. Hey, check this out. E3 kicks off one month from today. Ah. Yeah. Cool. On that Saturday with EA Play. I'll be there. Uh, Yeah, we'll be there. Uh, So I just wonder if Ubisoft is planning this big reveal of the Nexus Assassin's Creed for uh, its E3 press conference, which is still on Monday, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to get, I'm guessing we're going to get that. We'll get stuff on a new Far Cry game, hopefully. Um, I'm making the prediction right here. I think we're going to hear about their Avatar stuff this year. Mm. Get excited. Mm. Avatar stuff. They have that rumored Nintendo Rabbids game. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That'd be at their conference or Nintendo's? Well, I think Ubisoft is leading development on it, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, and then steep two, steeper, still steeper, steeper. <laughs> steeper. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, do you expect this new Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed game will be released this year? Yes. yes. Yeah. It don't take two years off. Yeah. Without no. an Assassin's Creed. I hope I hope they take two years off every every time after this though. Yeah. Like you know, yeah. I think putting one out every year mm-hmm. fatigued us, and you know. Take, take your time. 13 Assassin's Creed games. It's a lot. Does you that mention- include like the 2D ones? No, but it included the PSP. We cheated. We said 12 out of 13 in our headline, but that wasn't quite accurate because there was a bunch of weird spin-off-y ones. Business, but, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah there bit. were the DS ones. Yeah. The, the card games too? on iOS. It was. The card game on iOS was pretty cool. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, moving on. Last week we... Uh, Concluded our top 100 RPGs of all time. Yeah. Everyone was so happy with it. I didn't get any complaints. Not a single complaint this time. Media. Perfect list, they called it. Neogaf yep. <laughs> loved it. Just cement it. Just I liked the list a lot. Flawless. I didn't know a lot of those games on it, which made me like it more. Mm. We calculate how many hours it would take to beat all 100 of those Ooh, games. That would oh. be a good thousand statistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, how old is Steve Butts? I mean, thousands. it would take the, that long. The Witcher 3 is 100, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are actually a bunch in the top 10 that I've never played, I hate to say. Uh, of course, Chrono Trigger was number one. Uh, played that, played Final Fantasy VI, but I've never played any Baldur's Gate. Oh, uh, neither. Are there so only two? There's Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. Yeah, I've uh, never played either of them. Two things. They, uh, there's like remastered, remade editions. Not remastered, but uh, just updated and modernized. They're just old, right? So yeah. they did a bunch of quality of life improvements to the menus and stuff and the enhanced editions that are on PC. Mm. But those enhanced editions are on mobile. And they play well on mobile? I played one on mobile and it was mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Um, it's not too much. It's no trouble to play it on PC. Yeah. And they're they turn based RPGs? No, they're real time combat with pause. So they use the actual like Dungeons and Dragons combat system. So 
I, I don't know how to explain it. In well, like is it like words. Divinity, where you run around in real time, but when you get battle, battles turn-based? No, the battles happen in real time, but you can pause whenever you want and like set up ah. action. So it's like you have a party of six, so... Uh, you it's can like just Dragon let, Age. yeah. You can exactly. Well, Dragon Age is a spiritual successor, and it's Bioware. It's the same uh, same team. Um, Dragon Age is absolutely deliberately trying to bring Baldur's Gate into the modern age. At least Dragon Age one. Um, and so the way that I play the game, and you can also set up like pause conditions anytime my character gets hit, pause it. So it can mm. kind of feel like a turn based game if you want. But I like to pause, tell all my characters what to do, unpause, and then they start like moving. And as things start to change and happen, I pause it again. Hold up. Yep. Just but. I know I told you to attack that guy, but no, uh, I want you to heal him. Baldur's Gate Two in What's particular. What's the world? It's just D and D. Yeah, I mean it's the world of Baldur's Gate. You know, like that's the city, and then the world is. Uh, uh, I mean, it's like it's like a fantasy game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Baldur's Gate Two in particular uh, has probably one of the best, like, just fictional cities in any video game ever. Almost the whole game takes place in this massive, sprawling city, and it's probably 200 hours of content and it's got one of those it's like it's that special feeling game where it's like there's someone standing on a corner and they're like I have a quest for you and then it turns into some like eight hour ordeal where there's like vampires and betrayals and like you can totally like walk by it and just never experience any of that like it's such a special game it wasn't your fault but none of that sounds interesting to me (laughs) like I would never play that game oh man it's It's not I think your description was a good good job it's just not my type of game I mean I like the pre-rendered isometric art I like that too I like the. Uh, I mean, it's it's hardcore like D and D. So they were kind of they didn't have a lot of flexibility and freedom in how to structure their combat because they were using D and D's combat system. But that does mean you have complete freedom, like your character class. Like you can have like a thief mage or like whatever you want. Like I, I, I don't know. Game was great. Continuing counting down the top ten backwards. There's Pokemon Yellow, and then there's World of Warcraft, another game I've never played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've never played Planescape Torment. It's the same deal. I mean, it's the same engine, same as Baldur's Gate. Yeah, it uses it's another Infinity Engine game. So Planescape Torment is notable for it probably has the best story in a video game ever. Not I, I will remove the probably. It's got the best video game story ever ever written. So ever did told. you play Pokemon Yellow? Oh yeah, back in the day. Were you hauling Pikachu around behind you the whole game? I I don't. I was in I was in college. Like Yellow is a weird game. It's like a weird spinoff of you know. Red. I had a, I think I had a yellow Game Boy Color too. We got we got some flack for having it be yellow instead of red or blue. I know they're not completely interchangeable. We kind of think about them as being mostly interchangeable, and yellow is just you know a slightly improved version of red or blue in my oh, opinion. Yeah. Um, Planescape Torment is another game where. Uh, like I talked about how Baldur's Gate will have you'll talk to a random person you can totally blow past and it'll open up a whole quest. Planescape does that but with conversation. Like in the tutorial dungeon, you can have these long like spidering conversations with these NPCs that you find that raise interesting philosophical questions and really make you think about things and like the nature of the world and your character is uh, immortal, he can't die. And that's a game mechanic, but it's also part of the story and it really delves into what that means and what that that's like and like every single like you pick up a ring in the game and it has like a paragraph of flavor text about the ring that's actually really interesting and fascinating like the sheer volume of text that's worth reading like I know it might sound boring but like yeah it when, sounds boring <laughs> but like when you're in it and experiencing it like it's really high quality like it's not sure. crappy writing it's great writing yeah. and um, well, that's what I feel like Mass Effect was at one point yeah. mm-hmm. it's the universe and reading about the universe is like really cool to me you have a like just stuff that would have been played for laughs or whatever in other games. Like one of your companion members is a floating talking skull. 
And like he is like a comedy relief character, but then he's also like, yo, it sucks being a floating talking skull sometimes. So it's like you get into that too. <laughs> like, oh man, Planescape. Mm. Well, rounding out the back half of the top 10 was Secret of Mana, Diablo 2, Vagrant Story, which again, I've never played. Mm-hmm. Me neither. And Witcher 3. Yeah. Which I played some of, not enough though. Secret of Mana is really interesting. It's a great mm-hmm. game. I love that game. On the action side of <clears throat> RPGs from that era. Yeah. Speaking of Secret of Mana, let's check in with the listeners. Hey. Hi, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Joe from Queens did. Cool. And you know, when you were a kid growing up in Kansas, the suburbs of Kansas in the 80s, your entire frame of reference for Queens, New York City, is coming to America. <laughs> yes. That's it. That's, yeah. Everything comes from that. The anagram for Joe from Queens is Joe's from Queen. Yep. That's true. That's true. Wow. Uh, got it. <laughs> you know who also is from Queens is uh, the Ramones. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Joe says I've read that I've read that Square Enix is releasing a bundle of RPGs for the Nintendo Switch, including the Secret of Mana and a never released in North America sequel. Being a young kid when those games came out and Secret of Mana being so high on your recent best RPG list, I would really love to play those games. Any chance this bundle gets released in the US and what are your thoughts on these games? Is that true? That's the first I've heard of this. Well, it is a, a bundle it's a bundle games. announced for Japan. For Switch. Okay. Of, all, of, of the entire like Mana series whatever and it's coming to Switch. In yes, in Japan. So not announced for the relax. US. It's no, fine. because no, because playing playing Japanese games on your Switch is incredibly easy to do. Yeah, super easy. You, I don't know about Japanese RPGs that are all in Japanese. Yeah. So, so you played Disgaea, right? Yeah, yeah. So the entire collection's been up on the Japanese uh, eShop for a while, and it's fully translated in English. So oh, if wow. you wanted that today, you could get it today. So the way to do that is you create a Japanese account. Super easy. You just yeah. you just you just make an a, an alternate My Nintendo account with a, a throwaway email address, um, and you choose your location as Japanese. Or Japan, and you go in there and you buy uh, eShop credit off of something like, you know, Amazon, Amazon or something like that. Yeah, and so you drop it in there. That's how you're saying they're easy to download and play that way. Dame is just saying it might be hard to play because it's in Japanese. Yeah. So if you, I mean, so a lot yeah, of the apparently this guy has already been yeah, translated. So a lot of the games have because they're old games, they already have English language options. This one so doesn't. are you sure? Famously doesn't. Yeah. Seiken Densetsu Three is a fantastic Super Famicom game that that has a fan translation. Got it. I've played that. Mm. Okay, so what you need to do is download the Rosetta Stone, yeah. <laughs> learn Japanese in its entirety. Super easy. I'm not sure if it's a loophole on Nintendo's fault that they just didn't think about or didn't catch, or if they're deliberately making it easy to let people, you know, download games in the Japanese store, you know, France store, wherever you I want. I think they're just kind of being good guy Nintendo for something. Maybe for once. Yeah, for that once. collection's really amazing because there's a Game Boy game that, that kicked it off. It was the well, that's. Was that one of the Final Fantasy Adventures, or is that not? It's, what they call so it's it. not. There's Final Fantasy Legends okay. one through three, but I believe that one's based on Final Fantasy Adventure. Mm. And again, like I didn't do research ahead of this, but I I love Secret of Mana. And I've right. read about this a million times and heard about it a lot. But uh, but the, but that one on Super Nintendo is like a lost, fully full featured JRPG from Square, you know, from that time period. Yeah, that rules. And it looks. As beautiful as the most beautiful parts of uh, Final Fantasy VI mm-hmm. or Chrono Trigger, where there's like these like you know lush forests and like crazy giant bosses, and uh, you know it, it's just incredible. Like it's incredible we never got that here. It's a 16-bit masterpiece. It's so cool. It's exciting to me because I know someday everybody's gonna have access to that game and mm-hmm. play it because it's just a Switch is really good happen. for stuff like that too. Like I um yeah. 
I got a copy of I Am Setsuna, mm-hmm. which is like a kind of like mid-tier RPG. It never really like elevates above what it sets out to do. But playing an RPG on Switch is awesome because you can just kind of grind and then just hit a button, then go do something else and come back. Like it's oh. really good for pick up and play stuff. Yeah. Chrono Trigger's best version was always on DS. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I'd love that game on Switch. Yeah. Do you know if that collection includes like cause that franchise sort of continued on through like the PS1 mm-hmm. era? There's a PS2 like, game. Yeah. The Mana Legend game, right? of Mana was the one that I played, where that the gorgeous like painterly art style. I think right. it's Legend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I know it's focused on that series, but I guess I don't know. Yeah. If it includes the later games too. This is Ryan from New York, and he says, Hey, Damon, Justin, Sam, and other human. Hey, what's up? Huge fan of the show. It's my favorite podcast each week. Not sure if you like being called a podcast. Sure, that's not offensive in I'm, the slightest. How <laughs> like being called, dare you? We like being called as Cog Poem. <laughs> but I, Ryan says, I choose to opt for the audio version because I travel a lot. Thanks for the happiness that you guys bring me. As a kid, I have fond memories of playing licensed games. The few that come to mind are The Simpsons Hit and Run, The 007 Games, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, The Lord of the Rings Return of the King, and The Incredibles. That's a weird list. Yeah, well, that's because I'm picturing a very different set of licensed games. And then, of course, the many Star Wars games. Today, licensed games seem to be an afterthought, and I don't quite understand why. And when we do see them, they're often not very good. What gives? Why don't we see much of them anymore? Were those games actually bad and my child brain was too easily amused? Or has the quality of licensed games severely diminished with these newer generations? Please discuss. The answer is mobile. Mobile gets every every sort of license tie-in to anything these days. It's incredibly rare to get like a full-fledged AAA tie-in to a movie. One, because uh, the cost of making that game is so expensive and the time it takes to make that game is so you know prohibitively long. And two, because it's like, what's what's the benefit of that when you can just have a free-to-play game on mobile and make a bunch of money? Like, we don't have a Star Wars Force Awakens game. We got Lego Star Wars, which, like, was the closest we got, right? But there are a bunch of, like, Star Wars apps on your phone that are mostly free-to-play. They're made by EA, and you can dump a dollar or a thousand dollars into them if you want to. Yeah, and some Avatar games. Yeah. I mean, licensed games, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but just they're, they're meant for, like, more casual fans. Like, oh, I'm a big fan of Iron Man. I want to continue interacting with Iron Man, so I'll buy this Iron Man video game. Like, the thinking's usually not too much more sophisticated than that. So, mm. so that's why mobile makes total sense, is, like, I'm going to type Iron Man into my phone and just see what pops up yeah. versus paying 50 or 60 dollars for you know a console game um i have a little bit more negative view uh, of them than that They're, uh, the reason is because uh license there's always there have always been bad licensed games and that's because the whole step one of that process is let's capitalize on this popular ip right. it's, step one isn't let's make a great video game well, and no. and, yeah, and, totally. and here's your development schedule it's very short yeah, yeah. exactly and if you look that's, that's at et's yeah. story yeah. You look look at one of the and he mentioned it right one of the greatest licensed games of all time is goldeneye and that yeah. game came out two years after that movie did yeah. and they were like they didn't say let's tie let's cash in on this they said let's make a really good game and it got delayed like crazy so i mean we could get them like i thought it was nuts that we didn't get a single video game based on like the dark knight but there is well, one on your iPhone, right? I think there was. A There's also the the there Arkham one series. The Batman Begins one. game. Batman Begins. Yeah. It was a Batman Begins. So that's game, what yeah. like Batman Begins, and I think the first Iron Man. They did get crappy yeah. console games, and like the reason those kind of like those games got such a bad rap because they were terrible. Mm-hmm. And now it's funny that you're seeing them come back a little bit. Like you're seeing Guardians of the Galaxy, and you're seeing uh, you're seeing Marvel get really serious yep. about video games by sort of smart, you know, strategic partnerships. And I think companies are just finally like it was a 
simpler time back then, and companies have finally tried to be a little bit more thoughtful about matching up the right brands with the right, right developers and the right type of game. Like the Mr. Robot license game being made by the uh, by the uh, what's that game Marty loved so much? The uh, adventure game Oxenfree. Yeah, yeah, made by that Oxenfree group where it's like that's really smart, and yep. then you hear it and you're like, oh, that totally makes sense. Well, like, we've also got this this thing happening now where games are services more, right? And you look at something like Marvel Heroes, mm-hmm. which gets tie-ins when new movies come out, and that's their sort of way to being like, we've got licensed stuff from Fantastic Four, uh, Battlefront, right? Huge game that covered the original trilogy, but they're like, here's a level based on Jakku. Uh, the new game has some stuff from Episode Seven. And hopefully we'll have stuff from episode eight, but it's not a straight up episode eight game. Like it's them telling their own story and then folding in some from some stuff from that universe. Yeah. No, I think the quality of licensed games has de- has improved greatly over yeah. the years. Uh, they've gotten smart about it. They've actually like they've figured out how to capitalize on the popularity of the license and also make a really good game. Mm-hmm. Like all the Arkham games, uh, Kotor, you know, was like the, one of the first. Yeah. Well, at least one of the first great Star Wars games that I played. Yeah. Uh, Tony Hawk. Was a great license game in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a new Spider-Man game, right? Yeah. But it probably will have no connection to the movie outside of like some some little details here and there. Like, yeah. it's not going to be based on the new the new Marvel. That's movie. a difference. It's like borrowing the license, like the beloved thing that someone loves to put their own spin. Like, you know, the Batman Telltale game is not retelling the story of the games. No. Like, yeah. That, yeah, that just doesn't make sense. In yeah, it's almost like any context. it's a whole new bat, and it's not telling the story of any of the movies. Or it's just a yeah. new Batman story, which is yeah. cool. A decade before this year's Logan, we got an R-rated Wolverine game. Yeah. That was, it was, it got a little, it was like a seven. Uh, But it was cool. It was like the first time that I saw Wolverine be as, act as violently as he should from the comics. Right. And you know, like, to be fair, like. It was a Hulk game at that time too. Yeah. Like we're, I think Destruction was good. That's what it was. And we're describing like why the, why this is the way this is now. But I mean, in many ways, like I kind of do miss it. Like I walk out of a movie and I'm like, I want to go home and play that and I can't. Um, for the most part, so it, it kind of sucks. Like I miss, I miss some licensed games. You know, like there are some really good ones. Spider Man was really good. Yeah, totally, totally. Oh man, but remember on the NES, Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, oh, Beetlejuice, TNC yep. Surf Designs, Predator, okay. Rambo, Total Recall, Gremlins, Gilligan's Island, Yo Noi, wow. Cool World, and the list goes on and on. They're all cool world. terrible. Yeah, that's from the right. Movie. Yeah, there was a cool ah, the world Brad game. Pitt movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, there's a young Brad Pitt in that movie yeah. for sure. Uh, time for your NES fun fact. Oh. I don't. I don't know if Justin uh, saw the answer already. Fun, fun, fun. Castlevania three. Who do you play as in Castlevania three? Uh, Trevor Belmont. Yep. Except wow. in Japan, what's his name in Japan? Yonoid. Ralph. <laughs> Ralph. Ralph Belmont. Nope. Ralph Belmondo. Oh. What? Ralph Belmondo. In the Japanese version of Castlevania three. You play as Ralph Belmondo. So in the end yeah. of Castlevania one, just here, it's it credits Simon Belmondo. Yeah. Which they didn't even. <laughs> it also credits the music to James Banana. What? That's real. Yeah, that's all. The people are fake, and Bor- Boris Karl office. Well, that's what thing. half what? the half the well, all are, fake. are all the credits pun names. Yeah, they're all just nonsense. They're well, not even puns. Half of them are puns off the off of horror famous horror franchises. Oh, Bor- Boris Karl offices. Yeah, I don't know what James Banana is. That one. That one doesn't make as much sense. Watch the ending of Castlevania on YouTube. It's so funny. Yeah, Simon Belmondo. And then find uh, Ralph Belmondo in Ralph the Japanese Ralph version Belmondo. of Castlevania 3. Uh, we got Grant Dynasty was the dagger guy in that game. And Sifa is the other wizard. It's pretty good. Alucard, which is Dracula backwards, which is an anagram. <laughs> it's time to share what we've been playing. 
Who would like to share first? We have two weeks to cover, though. Yeah. We have, this is going to be a long segment. All right. Uh, I'll order pizza. Yes. It's pizza time. Yeah, oh, pizza party. So I, I mentioned uh, this morning that last night we watched Howard the Duck. Yeah. Uh, my wife was inspired to watch Howard the Duck for the first time since her childhood because of Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, what, really? Yeah. Oh, my that's God, that's It's the awesome. opposite of inspired from watching Howard the Duck. <laughs> and so Howard comes from a bizarro planet where, uh, you know, the ducks evolved into humanoid creatures, yep. right? Mammalian ducks. But other than that, their society is much like ours. They still live in cities with skyscrapers, and they drive cars, they and they porn. wear clothes. They do. They have pornography. And they know about an- animals from our planet, like gorillas and monkeys, dogs, right? Mm. So very I'm similar until, while Howard is on our planet, someone says they ordered a pizza, and he says, what's a pizza? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So on their planet, they have everything we have except pizza. Except for pizza, Does which he makes like no pizza? sense. He scoffs at it because he's focused on trying to get back home. He's a, Maybe he, he just eats either. worms and ponds. I think, you should, I think you should write somebody. George Lucas. I hope, I hope yeah. someone gets fired for that it blunder. Says, pre- George Lucas presents in Dude, big letters, right? I rented that, that movie. movie way more times than I should have when I was a kid. Oh, Do you know that like a, 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 he has sex with a human woman in that movie? Yeah. yeah they, don't, what? they don't outright have sex, but they are like, they flirt with it's having pretty sex. Heavily they, they implied, get pretty physical. Yeah. There are duck boobs in yep. the beginning of that movie. She, he Ooh. has... He has a <laughs> he has a con, a duck condom in his in his wallet. Yep. Man, that movie is so weird. And my grandpa, my poor grandpa, took me to see that movie in theaters. <laughs> oh, oh really, sorry, Grandpa? Wherever you are, I'm sorry. You Basically had to sit through Sonic the Hedgehog. Howard the Duck. Wow. Anyway, what have wow. we been playing? Uh, Mario Kart. Tons and tons and tons yeah, of Mario Kart. Mario I've been traveling Kart. a lot, flying uh, to the East Coast and back. Mm-hmm. I flew to, I flew cross country four times in like five days, and I got to play a ton of Mario Kart by myself. And then I got to, I was doing a shoot in Orlando, in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, with Max Scoville and Mega Ran, the rapper. And one night we were like, we don't know what to do in Florida. Let's get a bottle of booze, go in a hotel room, and just play Mario Kart like crazy. And we had this like brilliant moment where where Mega Ran was like, I have my dock, I can plug into the TV. Can we play wireless? with each other and we were like i think yeah, it was like work? you can yeah like why couldn't you so we each had our own screen and we just played three and a half hours of grand prix and battle mode and it's just so much fun and i was like one of the people that was like why would i ever play this game again and you know here i am now 25 something hours in and loving it me too i'm playing a tremendous amount of mario kart fuck the blue shell <laughs> it's I mean, gotta go. Even, that wasn't just added in Mario Kart 8. Yeah. No, but man, like I I guess I didn't play that much. Seven was on the 3DS and I might have skipped that one. Like I know, so here's the deal. I know everybody hates the blue shell to the point that it's become like a meme. Like you hate the blue shell. But we gotta talk about that blue shell. Yeah. It's gotta go. You know what I love about that blue shell? Nothing. Because when you're in first place. And you slow it down just a little bit. Oh, the second place is coming yeah, up behind you. You get hit with that blue shell, and second place gets rocked, and you're both screwed, and then you both take off. I love it. But it's then sometimes the blue shell hits everybody on the way up. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. Sometimes you slam on the brakes and yeah. then uh, still get hit with the blue shell. And, and the person just player two just zooms by <laughs> you. No, I mean I did two. I'm, I, I did all of fifty cc, all of hundred cc, and I'm working my way through one fifty. And like I don't have a tremendous amount of time to play video games in my life right now. Um, I'm a father, as you probably does the switch help with that? Yeah, it yeah. does. Um, but so I. I I did two Grand Prix and I was in first place, first place, first place. I got to get three stars. Otherwise, what's the point? What are we right. even doing here if I'm not getting I'm totally three stars? with you? So and I made it to the final lap of the final track and got hit by a blue shell and came in second. Two stars. So then I'm angry, but <laughs> I, I do it again and it happens again. Yeah. And I'm like, this isn't fun. It's gotta, not good game design. You got to redo it's, the whole cup. Yeah. 
Let me explain to you the problem with the blue shell. You can't like you can't do anything. Yes, you when can. It's coming. You can slam on the brakes. No. There's a counter. No. If you get the if you get the red horn thing, Ooh, yeah. you, you can, can cancel right the right blue time. shell. That's yeah, something that, they that's added in counter. this game. I didn't realize that. You can defeat the blue shell with the red horn. That's so right. get that oh, fucking horn. And let that blue shell know what's up. But the big problem I have with the blue shell is if you're in last place, like the lightning bolt feels really good, the bullet feels really good, the star feels really good, but the blue shell doesn't help you. It's just like an F, it's just firing off an FU to yeah. someone Some that. Some people save it until they're like in third place and then fire it off. Yeah, but then yeah. that ghost comes and takes it and all sorts of hijinks. Yeah, I, it's scary. It's scary yeah. to hold on to it because of the ghost. That's the biggest <laughs> sin that I have against it is that when you're in last place, it doesn't feel even really good to use. So it's just everybody's angry yeah no. yeah you know speaking of not being fun i've gotten back into <laughs> darkest dungeon oh which is very fun the end of that game though uh and the reason I got back into it is because the PS4 version was just updated with the new Radiant mode, mm. which is a little bit like faster, speedier mode that uh, makes it a lot quicker to get to the final Darkest Dungeon. And that game is super fun. I'm enjoying playing it. However, it has made me realize that there is a long-running video game mechanic that has existed since the beginning of turn-based combat, and I think it's time for it to go because it is also not fun, and that's missing. Oh. When you oh, yeah. miss, so dumb. When you miss the enemies, it just, and I feel like it happens a lot in Darkest Dungeon. And it's like, why is this? This keeps happening, and this doesn't make me feel good. It's not that. fun. It's yeah. like, is why, there a status why is missing? With it, I mean, yeah, but like, why is missing still in video games? Take missing out. However, yeah. I think the enemies should still be able to miss me. Well, there was <laughs> there was a role playing game I was playing recently where like I missed, and then the enemy missed, and then I missed. I'm like, what are we even doing here? What's the <laughs> Like it's fine in like a like an action game I, that makes sense, but in turn-based combat, yeah, it's just no. Right. I, I, I should clarify that I am with you. I'm completely adoring Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm um, yeah. 48 courses, you know, infinite. It just feels like the jazz soundtrack is so good. That uh, band has to be getting laid constantly. <laughs> yeah, that so, band is a real just, band. Yeah, it's a real. That's a real human live band. Yeah, they got a whole like they just had like a composer there. No, it's like a jazz orchestra, and they're just having tons of sex. So it is. The game's incredible. So blue shell rant aside, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe completely worth it. A fantastic and the best Mario Kart, you know, straight up. But uh, but yeah, man, I'm so. This is that Donkey Kong course from uh, Double Dash. That one flaw, that fatal flaw. Maybe they'll have DLC. And they're missing Block Fort for battle mode, which is, I mean, come on, guys, why did you even bother? (laughs) Uh, Throw it back in the garbage. Like Block Fart. That's Sam, what I used to not, say. It's not an anagram. Sam, are you I, still playing? Oh, no, you were playing something new. I have been playing Mario Kart as well, yeah. but not the Mario Kart you guys have been playing. I played the new arcade Mario Kart. Oh. Uh, I went to Portland, went to Quarter World, Great Arcade, and uh, played a lot of this great new Mario Kart. It takes a picture. It's called GP something, something, something. Yeah. Namco made it. It has the Tyco Drum Master guy in it. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I played play that. Really cool. Here's what's great about it. No blue shell. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Item management is uh, basically you, if you hit the blocks, you get to fire off an item. And you also have some blasts. Other than that, no power sliding. Just stay on the course. Hit yep. the strips. It looks beautiful. Mm. And like if there's a little kid playing it, you just sit down next to them and just beat them, and then they have to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. That's that the etiquette. Welcome to the arcade. Yeah. Uh, great, great, cool game. So while the mustache I, man wouldn't let me play the, <laughs> the game anymore. I took a picture of myself as Rosalina, and it just looked exactly like my hair. Yep. Um, so I uh, went to uh, some used, uh, a lot of used game store stuff up there, and I brought back a rare game that I've been playing a lot of, which is uh, Kirby's Super, Kirby Superstar. Oh, cool. Super Deluxe in Japan. It's the Super Deluxe in Japan. That's a cute name. Uh, I've always heard that that's the Kirby game. 
Now, for me, I like a different Kirby game. It's called uh, Kirby's Dream Course, which is a mini golf game. I don't like a lot of other Kirby games. It's not my series. But this game I always heard is the best. And the reason it is, it's like eight games in one. Pretty interesting. Uh, but the, all the games are like giant Kirby games. There's just a few mini games. And one of them is like an exploration-based like Metroidvania type thing. You have to explore this huge area for treasures. And the treasures have stuff from Metroid and Earthbound mm. and stuff in it. It's really oh, cool. Wow, that rules. Yeah, it's like a good well thought out game and it's made by Sakurai and team right before Smash Brothers. And you bought this on like a physical cart? Yeah, I just got the cart. And you're playing on an actual Super Nintendo? Deal on it. Thanks, the, the Smash Brothers yeah, it's, it started on my TV at, oh, cool. in the office. You were remarking and you know I have known this is true because I played uh it's what's it called Superstar? Uh, yeah, this uh Kirby Superstar. Is that what you're Yeah. Um it came like, out by the way in 1996. That's right before Smash. Which is like and Sakurai will go on to make Smash. So if you um if you play like everybody played Smash Brothers but not very many people played this Kirby and going back you see like I recognize this and this yep. And this and this, like yeah, all the stuff all, that they would lift like and take over into Smash. That's how I felt with them. The menus feel yeah. like Smash. The menus Kirby. and then like all that references to Nintendo. Did you guys play Kirby Air Ride? Like it's not, oh, yeah. a, it's it's the kind of fun. It's, it's yeah, it sort of plays itself. But like the menus and the unlocks in that game are completely Smash Brothers Melee, and like it, you know, it, they're around the same time. And you look at it and you're like, oh, I see how all this influenced each other. It's kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's a really interesting game. Yeah. And the uh, opening splash screen is amazing and looks like a Nintendo 64. So they tried game. to make it look as much as they could like a Nintendo 64 game because Nintendo 64 was out. Right. It was just out. Uh, and then I know you played a little bit of Prey, and I've been playing Prey, and I'm, I'm, I just think it's dull. It's a cool uh, setting in the beginning, and then it just it, it hasn't really hooked me. I'll try mm. to keep playing. The, the story is very, very intriguing, um, I'm, I, it's, but I'm not enjoying the gameplay. Right. Yeah. No, I'm probably not going to go back to it. To be fair, I only played, like, I didn't even get to two-thirds of the weapons because I only played, like, two hours. I'm like, huh, I just wasn't feeling it. Life's too yeah, short. Yeah, apparently once you get a couple more of these, like, psi powers or yeah. whatever in it, it's supposed to be interesting, but mm-hmm. it I definitely didn't, it- didn't grab me. It's no Bioshock for me. I just like the setting of Bioshock more than the setting of Prey. Sure. Period. So, I didn't give it much of a fair shot, to be <laughs> fair, but the couple hours I did play, I, I was a little bored. Yeah. I do want to check it out. And finally, it is time to play Video Game 20 Questions. I thought we already played. And our suggestion this week comes from Chad Lankford. Where's he from? You didn't say? So you sorry. Informs, so then. sorry, you're going to have to play without that information. All right. You don't know how old he is? Or... Let the questioning begin. Yeah. Is it Camp Goose? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you, you start, Justin. You're good at this. <laughs> no, I'm really not. Yes, you are. Uh, does your character speak? Yes. Ooh, it's not Chrono Trigger. <laughs> huh. Good morning, Chrono. I mean, doesn't your character speak in Zelda? No. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't count. Yeah. That doesn't count. Those are words. That doesn't count. Yeah, I think so. Yeah is a word. You get to choose responses. Underrated yeah. part of Breath of the Wild, by the way, is that when you're on a horse, the go faster button, it's labeled as yeah in the like on like the on screen prompt. I love that. What a now great we're game. all in trouble for talking about Zelda. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> are we not allowed to do that anymore? Yes, we're not allowed to do that anymore. Oh. All right, so your character speaks. Um, can you see your hands in this game? Yes. So it's 18 questions, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, was this made before 2000? Before January 1st, 2000. Yeah. Oh, January 2nd. Oh, I'm sorry. No. January 2nd. The answer is no. Okay. It's, it's a, a modern-ish game. Uh, was it before January 1st, uh, January 2nd, 2010? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Before? Before. Before. Okay. So in that 10-year window, 
mm-hmm. which is odd. There were not many games where you had hands and could speak in those in those days. Yeah. Yeah. Work, should be able to That's get, a really right good now. point. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go with Mario Kart. <laughs> Um, Do you want to maybe ask about feet or like other sounds? Oh, like- I think we. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, you guys can ask whatever you want. I'm not going to influence your questions. Ryan's up. Oh, it's me. It's a 2000s game. Hmm. Um, is this a console exclusive game, or is it is this game exclusive to one console? No. Oh, it's multi platform. Wow. Is this of the PlayStation 2 generation? Yes. That's so GameCube, PS2, you have to get OG Xbox. Was this game made in Japan? Yes. Ooh. So GameCube, PS2, Xbox era. Multi-platform game. Multi-platform Japanese game where you can talk and see your hands. <laughs> Ape Escape. No, was, that was exclusive. That was exclusive. <laughs> don't say don't. Was this game on GameCube? Yes. All right, because that was a much smaller library than the other two, so the Venn diagram. Oh, that's true. That's pretty good. Japanese GameCube games. I'm thinking Beautiful Joe. Because Damon did hesitate. When Henshin a go-go, baby. Because <laughs> that's why... speaking. That's it. Okay. Well, was this game made by Capcom? Yes. Did you okay, do it? So I don't think so. Did Justin give but this game for, a 10 out of 10? You guys got to remember, Capcom had the, the, the games on GameCube. Yes, like, of, of which five. one was canceled, one remained exclusive. None and of them did. Was, what about PNO3? Oh, you're, right, yeah. you're right. You're right. You're right. PNO3 was GameCube exclusive. Resident Evil. I mean, sorry. <laughs> okay, so they made they made Billy Hatcher. No, that was Sega, which that was a GameCube exclusive. It was PNO3, yeah. Beautiful Joe, yeah. and Killer Resident Seven. Evil, and yeah. Killer7, and then the fifth one didn't come out. Killer7 went to PS. I got, I got this. Is this one of the Capcom 5? Yes. That's 10. Oh, my God. Does your character say Hinch and a go-go, baby? Uh, I probably can't answer that one. What? Well, I mean. play Beautiful Joe? It's been a, it's been a minute. Okay, <laughs> this is a beautiful Joe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. Good. It's beautiful Joe. Right? Let's you do got, another one. You, you know when you beat really when you beat Resident Evil remake, they go Henshin a go go baby. <laughs> Can't answer. I don't remember that uh, yeah. that line, but yeah. I gave uh, this was way before IGN. Obviously, uh, I gave that game a ten out of ten, and my editor. Wow. My editor, like, I, it was a joke for like years. <laughs> oh, really? And I'm like, and I stood by it. Game like, rules, man. That's what I said. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, is it another beautiful Joe? I'm like, screw you, man. Yeah, that, that game's, game's awesome. Dope. <laughs> Seriously, it's not like you get Piano Three a ten out of ten. Yeah, that was 2003. Uh, beautiful Joe. It was, was it really a, that long ago. 2003, a GameCube timed exclusive. 2003. That was the first year. That. M- must have been one of the very first games I ever reviewed because that was the first year I got paid to write about. That's why you got shit. It was like, you can't come out the gate with a 10 like that, man. Come on. They're they're probably honest. Work up to that. You knock a rocket. That game is so good. Yeah. Your girlfriend's name's Sylvia. She has glasses. They made a few more and then it it went away. They made made, one more, didn't they? They made Beautiful Joe 2 and then they made Beautiful Joe Dual Strike or DS or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. I forget the name of it. But it was the first DS game that had 3D on both screens. Man, what an underrated game franchise! Because it would use so it had. I mean, Damon, if you didn't play it, you would. I did it. play it. Okay. I had. I had the original. Like the, the, I haven't played it since then. Since two thousand and three. What was so brilliant about it is using the speed up, the speed time up, and slow time down, both for combat and for puzzles. Yeah. Um, and sometimes and doing platforming and yeah. Yeah. So it's like you would. Yeah, you would use it to like traverse the environment and figure out how, but then also zip back and forth between fast time and slow time. Remember what game that came out the exact same time as? No, I traded this game in for it after I love Beautiful Joe, and then I beat it and I traded it in for Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Ooh. Oh, you're all about that rewind that month. year. Yeah. yeah, the rewind was what the a same good. Time. What a good year. Yeah, it's cool for GameCube especially, which was a tough system to own alone, which is the only one I had. It was the only one I had for a long time. Yeah. Well. Well, as Omega Cops say. Yep. 
As cop, me go. <laughs> That's right. The famous sign-off for GameScoop. As cop, me go. Send your letters to ascopmego.com or uh, campgoose.net. Yep. That is all the scoops we have for this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Sam. Hey, coup, peg, MS. My name is Damon, and as cop, me go. <laughs> What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.